have you um did you binge on season three of uh, Emily in Paris last night? Um, <laughs> I I must confess I'm one of the people who have have yet to succumb to the to the pleasures, the joys, to the, the pleasures, to the um something inscrutable. No, it's it's scrutable. Is there such a word as scrutable? This is a podcast in which two friends talk about the pleasures, absurdities, and imperfections of being human. I'm Simon Ellis. And I'm Lee Miller. Welcome to Midlifing. And um, so no Emily in Paris. No. Um, if you want to know what my um, my television viewing has been this week, it has mostly been In From the Cold on Netflix, which is a ridiculous spy drama that scratches the itch that Alias used to be able to reach. Alias is another TV show? Yes, from the mm, early 2000s, maybe? Oh, no, I don't think I've ever heard of that. I went through about, I reckon, about a decade where I watched almost zero television. You're very good. No, I don't. I, I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> um, and so you haven't got to the bear yet. No, no. The bear is on my ever increasing list of things that I am going to watch over Christmas. I'm so curious what you think of it. I, I did, as I told you, I watched it in the entire series in less than 24 hours. And um, there's a very, a very curious thing that happens, which is in the second to last episode, it's very short. It's 20 minutes. And it feels like a sort of an extended music video. It's kind of extraordinary, and then the last episode is like I don't know, fifty minutes. So they, they're really oh, messy. They so they play with shape. Oh, That's totally, it? totally. And the other thing about speaking of bear, it's very hard for New Zealanders the difference between beer and bear. Is it? Do you have a bear? Yeah, it's quite. Oh a... my gosh! Yeah, that is quite quite. Yeah, I hadn't realised that. So beer, I have to really work on it. But I opened a beer this morning at seven a.m. Um, Why to make uh, chocolate and uh, oh, okay chocolate and beer sourdough? That's fine then, because I was going to say, do we need an intervention? <laughs> Who would stage that intervention? Oh, I don't know. Jeffrey. Somebody, yes, maybe he. I don't care. I don't know. I don't think he would. I think he'd just say, "Oh, beer, delicious." Yes, he would. Um, I do, But going back to the bear. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm so curious about whether you like it or not Because there's a part in which goes I don't think Lee will like this Yeah, I have a feeling that a story about a man Is going to be a struggle for me <laughs> I, do, I do find myself getting five to ten minutes Into stories about men And if I haven't had a decent representation Of a woman, a person of colour Or somebody queer I just go, ah, I can't be fucked and I switch it off. You are I so. Don't have the patience you, you are to sit so, with it. You are so woke, aren't you? It's not that. It's really. I don't think it's that. It's just um, there's so much stuff out there. I feel. I feel complicit in contributing to yet more narratives that make me feel a bit icky. So I say, I just don't have to do it, do I? I don't have to. Yeah, no, you don't. I like that. But I have every intention of trying it out because I've heard very, very good things. Mm. Mm. I wonder if it might pass your, um, the Miller as opposed to the Bechdel? 
Bechdel? What's Bechdel. Alison. Alison Bechdel from Love and Rockets fame. Well, many, many fame. Many things fame. I think I've got a couple of her books lying around. And can you, can you, it's the Bechdel test, isn't it? Is that, the Bechdel test comes from an early 1980s comic strip. Love and Rockets uh, was a series of queer characters. Uh, maybe it was set in San Francisco. Anyway, the upshot was two characters. One said, do you want to go to the movies? The other one said, uh, there's nothing on. I've basically got a rule where if there are two women in the film both of whom don't have names, both of whom don't talk about something other than a man. I'm not interested in watching it. It's good. It's extraordinary how few films pass the test. I think that, oh, was, I I think that was that, you know. That. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's, I think anybody who, who utilises it as a strategy knows it's a, it, it's a hammer to crack a walnut because it's a very, very um, inexact tool because sometimes you can have some, you know, really brilliant representation and, and, and drawing of characters and people don't talk about anything other than a man. And, and it still doesn't necessarily mean that these are not strong, capable, interestingly drawn women. But as a, as a, as a rule of thumb, if people don't have a name, they're probably a wife or a girlfriend. And that means they're almost certainly going to be subsidiary to the action or they're there to be rescued or worse, they're there to be fridged. <sighs> I don't really know what you mean by fridged, but I mean you you mean killed and put in a refrigerator? That's exactly what fridged means. Is it really? It comes from a Green Lantern comic strip in the 1970s where the Green Lantern comes home, opens up the fridge and finds that his girlfriend has been murdered and left in the fridge for him to find. And it is a motor to his revenge. And that is where we might struggle if women are considered only to be... A reason for revenge in a story. Wow. Anyway, it's good to be clear and um, precise. Um, I actually watched last night, I watched a Peter Weir film from the 1980s called Witness, which I'm sure you know and have seen. Kelly McGillis and Harrison Ford famously putting up a barn? (laughs) (laughs) Kelly McGillis pre-Top Gun, of course. And um, I'd forgotten. It's... Interesting looking at the film because does it pass? It's only one, really only one main woman character in the film, but certainly her agency is kind of remarkable. Um, and there's something about her, um, the way she carries that role, which is very quiet, like she doesn't say a lot. But what I what struck me about the film, so when it was was released in 85, is that it's it's like compared with the films made these days it's like watching art it's unbelievable the pacing yeah. and the sense of a gravitas given to particular shots and i mean it is it's like it's it i mean it's an entirely different world like it really is watching someone make art as opposed to you know something to be consumed i mean peter weir is a Pretty high watermark of filmmaking, though, isn't he? The Cars That Ate Paris, Picnic at Hanging Rock. I mean, he's made some beautiful, beautiful pieces. It's true. It's true. It's true. He is, he's, dead, he's dead, isn't he? He's on your mum's uh, spreadsheet. I think he is on my mum's spreadsheet, yes. Yeah. Oh, shame. Yeah, but leaves so many wonderful traces behind him. Sure does. I was... Uh... I was thinking, I had a thought for today, because this will be released. Actually, how was your Christmas, Lee? (laughs) (laughs) My Christmas was quiet. Did you um, make anything special? 
cook anything special? Um, no. Great, okay. <laughs> and uh, so we are, this episode is between Christmas and New Year, so it's the last Ooh. episode for 2022? Two, yeah. Does that mean we started yeah. this in, when did we start this? This 2019? 20, 2020. 20? We were in the we were in pandemic times. So we've had more so than two that years. Would have been 2020. Yeah, 2020. Yes, 2020 right. yeah. Um so yes, this is I was thinking and reading a little bit about gratitude uh recently. And I thought maybe we could just um do a little uh, uh have a little conversation about things that you're grateful for um over from over the past past year. Things we're grateful for. How would that sound to you? I was sitting on the toilet last night crying. Is that because there's no leaking in the roof at... Because I was grateful for so many things. I was just having a... I was having a posh wee. Sometimes I like to have a sit down for a wee because, you know, you get to a certain stage in your life and you think, I can turn this into a little rest. <laughs> I've never heard it called a posh wee before. Oh, a posh wee? Oh, I, yeah. I love a little posh wee me. I uh, I only really ha- I only have posh wees at home. I would never have a posh wee out of the house because that's that's just indulgent. Um, but I, I I was sitting there having a little posh wee, and I was just reflecting upon. <laughs> Sorry, have I have I lowered the tone? <laughs> I certainly lowered the seat. It's just that um, you're uh, you're having a posh wee while thinking about a bit what you're grateful for and crying. I well yeah I just started to what feel overwhelmingly grateful for this year which has in many respects been quite challenging Hmm. but at the same time I have been grateful for the opportunity to meet the challenges and to um to have learned from them Hmm. so I was just I was struck by how very very lucky I am so I'm you caught you caught me in a, a in the perfect window to ask me about things I'm grateful for it's a short podcast, everything. Thank you and good night. <laughs> well, it's been good catching up. What am I grateful for? What am I grateful for? I've had two jobs this year and I was reflecting in a text message to a colleague at the former institute, the, you know, the institution I worked in before. It's not a former institution, it remains an institution. <laughs> My former job. Um, I was just having a chat to a colleague and, and I was expressing to, to her my gratitude um, for the way I'd been welcomed and held while I was in that post. I learnt a lot while I was there, and it was... Oh, this is a weird thing to say, but it was curiously healing. I think I'd got to a point where I felt quite cynical about higher education. Yeah, you had. You yeah, had. yeah. I'd been yeah. in one place for a long time, and, and then I jumped to, to a series of... of short-term contracts and I think on short-term contracts you possibly see the worst of institutions and probably the worst of people in those institutions because you see the way in which people on precarious contracts are uh, not valued not held and not respected Hmm. well certainly they tend to be more invisible don't they which I said, which is which is exas- would have been exacerbated by pandemic times as well. I'm just, yes, you know. yeah. Invisibility is an invisibility to the wider staff and management, but usually those staff members are incredibly visible to the students. Yes, 
Yes, there's a there's a real paradox, a strange paradox there, isn't it? Yeah, that they're they're the least respected. They're the front line. The front line. Yeah. They're the people we clapped during the pandemic, basically. <laughs> essential. Yeah. They're the essential workers of. Uh, well, because they they are they are the ones who you know. I was certainly one of the people who was turning up and being expected to be in a studio and doing face to face teaching while we were still at a two meter distance. I was you know in spaces where there were six students. Um. And that was in the sense that, you know, the, the, the normal cohort was just spread across so many rooms. Uh, it was it was a very strange time. Um, but, yeah, so this this role that I left this year, um, I was just incredibly grateful for the way I was held there and welcomed and valued. And it was lovely. It was lovely. And I met some really amazing people who I consider to be friends and want to keep which is rare for me, as we know. Mm. I was thinking that um, that's one of the, I think, two things that for me, uh, um, and it relates to this thing about presence, really, which is that's one of the things I have to be grateful for, for sure, even though, you know, you might say it was a choice. I'm grateful for this, of of being at work, meaning of being physically present there because of the ways in which it means that the lives of people the lives of people I work with, become a lot more real. I get to hear things and have conversations that I never would have had about the stories and things that are going on in people's lives. And there's something, um, there's something really pre- precious about, and that's not, that's not about becoming more friendly or anything like that. It's, it's, uh, it's just about recognizing the, I might say the three dimensionality of people's lives. And, and that's, of course, when you're so many of your meetings are, as they say, quite literally two dimensional on a screen, there's something really extraordinary about, um, yeah, about that kind of yeah meet, meeting people. Um, and I'm, I'm not ta- I'm talking about support staff. I'm you know it's not just my sort of academic colleagues. I, I'm similarly grateful to to the new role, and and I, I think I'm grateful for the people that I work with because. I'm not working with academics. I I have a daily contact with one academic um, and the rest of the people I'm working with are professional services staff and I have learnt so much from their capacity to negotiate ideas and questions and problems in a completely different way to the way academics do. Mm. Um, It's just been... (laughs) It's just been such a, a, a steep and rich learning curve and everybody, again, has been incredibly welcoming and generous and thoughtful and kind and patient. So, yeah, I've had, uh, from a from a kind of a professional perspective, I feel like I've had a very blessed year. Um, and then the other things that I'm grateful for, my parents continued good health. Um, the fact that uh Jeffrey the Dalmatian lives in our house because he's a good friend of mine and Bob there you go those are the things i mean there's lots and lots and lots of other things and were but... you we you what brought you to tears was a sort of general feeling of gratitude or were there specific things that that um that uh were more sort of emotionally striking for uh... you I just got a phone call from Matthew, the guy who owns the flat next door, which has been causing all of the problems for our flat. And and maybe this is about my attitude to the world. I find it hard to be angry with him 
for the things that have been going wrong because all I can see is how much he is struggling um, and how difficult his life has been made by a variety of things that have gone wrong. But every day since we were there, he's gone in to empty the dehumidifier in the flat. And it's a small thing, um, but he also runs a a business which is incredibly busy at this time of year. So he runs a patisserie in uh, in Lisbon, and it's you know it's a really successful and fancy posh uh, eclair shop. And he, he this is you know the second busiest time of year. Uh, the busiest time of year apparently is Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was going to you know, say Easter, but no, of course no, it's Valentine's Day. Day. Yeah, yeah. But despite having you know, he, he was telling me that his day he gets up at three a.m in order to get to the factory to make sure that the you know that that effectively all of the doughs are on and and that the bakers uh, uh, have got everything that they need and he gets to bed at about 10 o'clock at night and wow. in that yeah and in that churn he's still taking the time to go and rectify something which he could very easily not do Mm. And I was struck by, I know it's driven by guilt and anxiety and concern that things are not perfect. But I'm also struck by the fact that there are many people who would just shrug their shoulders and go, yeah, well, life shit. And there you go. I mean, it might and not necessarily be driven by guilt. I think I think it's, it also can say, well, I've wronged this person and I want to do right by them. And I don't think that's necessarily guilt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think perhaps perhaps it's a, a, an innate sense of fairness. I have just been grateful that I have been held in this process by somebody who was so kind. So I think overall, I'm grateful for, on an interpersonal level, humanity's kindness in a year when it has felt very, very easy to imagine the world as a cruel place. Mm. So those sort of little, little moments of kindness, aren't they? They're instances of kindness. Well, they're instances of kindness, but in my life, they're not instances. They're not like they're, much they're not flashpoints. They're, they're, it, it feels constant. Mm. It feels like a constant sort of swelling of kindness. So I understand that that you know people will talk about oh 2022, what a complex and horrible year, and and I I, I totally understand that globally that is true. I. I am grateful for the kindness that I have been shown throughout this year. And I think I was saying I was grateful for your kindness the other week. So I just think everybody's been nice. Thanks, everybody. Simon, what are you grateful for? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, well, just to say, just to comment on that, there's something really intriguing about that the kindnesses you're talking about within a difficult, within a, what you might say in terms of humankind, um, meaning meaning what's going on politically or geopolitically, which is so, so uh, destabilizing. So this, this I, 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 yeah, just to recognize the, uh, that that's again slightly contradictory or paradoxical situation, and I, and and I must I remember certainly then when big world events were going on, you know, say in the eighties or even the nineties. What's different when you're in New Zealand or Australia is that the geographical dif- dif- distance means it's very it's very very easy to forget. Like there's something incredibly insular 
about those places. And for all good, th and not, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I don't think it's a great thing, but there's also something incredibly extraordinary about it. And so I think when you're in the much more in the middle of those geopolitical, let's say, complexities, to, to recognize kindness is much more difficult. Uh, or to act kindly is much more difficult. So, yeah, anyway. What am I grateful for? I'm grateful for, oh, I have to say, my health, just in general, and the health, and Lil's health. Um, I think, uh, in particular, yeah, that, that we're still alive and kicking. <laughs> um, and I think I'm, I think I would say just on that, that, uh, observing or being party to Lil's courage to, to move to another country and to to set up there and to give that a go. That's been, um, I'm pretty grateful. <laughs> it's going to sound like I'm grateful for her living somewhere else. That's not what I mean at all. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think there's something that's been really, um, yeah, quite, quite destabilizing, but also really uh, wondrous about that. So, um, it's it's a huge gift that she's given you. Yeah, to be able to sleep diagonally on the bed, you mean? <laughs> yeah. No, I I mean to be able to say that adventures are possible in midlife. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, completely. And of course, I I, I spent the entire uh, series of the bear going, hmm, I could do this, I could do this. <laughs> and you, when you when you watch it, you'll laugh because it's like the it's the least romanticized version of having your own restaurant kind of thing there could be. <laughs> yeah, but it's it, it. I think I think what Lil has done is 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 such there's such grace and courage in it um that it is i can understand totally that you would be grateful and i not that you can sleep diagonally on the bed that's a i believe that that's called a benefit rather than a feature of the experience uh, yes 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 uh and i think um i think uh, it's it's funny you talk about work you know and work is certainly it's a big part of my life and i care about it and um uh, even though I often struggle to wonder what the point is, um, meaning of the specific work that I do, but there's something, I think I'm really grateful for the place that I work and the people that I work with, um, all of the people that I work with, in the sense that um, I work with people who, for all our differences, you know, because we, we're, a, we're, a, we're a curious lot, but the sense that we uh, care and look after each other. And I think there's, I could never... I think that's extraordinary. I think it, and it's effectively similar to what you're saying, which is it would be very easy for us just to get on, meaning get on with whatever it is that each of us is doing. Um, but I think there's, yeah, there's a really strong sense of, and again, for all our differences, there's a really strong sense of uh, trying to make something work. And that is, I am super grateful for that. I think that's, uh, I think, I, yeah, I think, I guess I would always, uh, I think, Friendships, long-term friendships, uh, newer friendships. I think those are the kinds of conversations that come out of friendships. I think I, I, I've often thought that they are what living is about, that um, to be in relationship with another person as a friend is um, that it's, yes, it makes sense for me of the world. So I'm grateful to all of my friends and, and all the problems we've had and all the difficult conversations and all the laughter and um, all the donuts.
<laughs> there's an Austrian baker in Totnes that make these big fat Berliner mm. uh, donuts, and and you get um, you can buy them obviously individually, <laughs> but you can also get ich bin three. Berliner. <laughs> ich bin ein Berliner. Ich bin ein Berliner. Um, <laughs> But you can also <laughs> get... Isn't that John F. Kennedy called himself a donut? Isn't that right? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't, that, isn't that the sort of historically went and said, I am a, bur- I am a Berliner, but he basically called himself a donut? I'm he was a donut. There? Yeah, back in 62 or whatever it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they come in threes. When, you know, so it's like, yeah, of I can't course, remember how much they cost. Of course they do. <laughs> But if you are in, uh, if you're in a, a, a partnership like mine and Bob's, there's a, a lot of discussion about who is going to eat the third one, and you, you can't cut it in half because you might not get the jam in exactly the right place. So there might be an unequal spread of jam. So you buy six? <laughs> no. That would be a really sensible strategy. Our strategy has simply to been that there's one for me, there's one for Bob, and there's one for Jeffrey Shadok. <laughs> And he spent uh, he spent about two minutes yesterday walking around with the Berliner bag on his head, convinced that a, a fourth donut would emerge if he just kept the bag on his head for long enough. <laughs> it's like the uh, the brown paper version of the magic porridge pot, <laughs> or um, or Winnie the Pooh, I'm sure, with a honey pot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sorry, you saying donuts just reminded me of of the of the image of a Dalmatian sitting with a bag on his face, going, "Well, there might be another one coming along." In There's a no way. Never, I mean, ever know. even if Lil and I had a dog, there is no way that the dog would get the third one. We would take a punt and cut it in half, and then we might have to have some kind of lottery system to decide who gets which one. Given that this one that had more jam in it, there's no way we would share that with a dog. No way. Absolutely okay. not. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't know what kind of house, what kind of ship you're running there. But you know, I had a bit of an ethical problem this week or last week. That, um, you know, I have a quite an expensive pair of trousers from quite an expensive um, technical clothing store. I do. I've seen you wear them. Yep. And you commented on the fact that they looked good on me, which I'm... I did. I thought they were a very good fit, and I thought that they suit you, and I remember thinking to myself, I would look ridiculous wearing them. <laughs> and I like, uh, uh, I'd like to know why it is that you would look ridiculous. Uh, they would look like a costume. Oh, but they don't look like a costume on me? No. Nope. Is that just because nope. you're used to seeing me wear technical clothing? Uh, it's because, yeah, I guess it's because I'm used to seeing you wearing technical clothing. There are also some people who look, whose technical clothing seems to sit well on them. Um, it doesn't look good on me. It looks ridiculous in the same way that you can put a suit on me and I always look right. Oh, I don't. I look, I don't I look at home in a suit. Yeah. I don't know why, but I do. Yeah, I um, definitely and, and we all know that I look very good in things that are swishy. Yes, swishy, of course. Swishy. Um, so yes, uh, and a zip broke and oh what's interesting about these trousers is that, is that they're called 100 year pants <laughs> yeah. yeah and uh i did write an email to them and say um a zipper has broke within one year of owning my 100 year pants <laughs> 
and um, I wonder if there's any uh, way that it could be repaired. Yeah, of course. And uh, uh, the person asked for a bit more information. And so I sent a photo and said this. And she goes, well, I'd like to, I'm going to just uh, send you a new pair. Oh, no way. That is awful. I feel judged already. And um, No, 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 no. I'm not judging you. I'm judging the company. I know. And so I said, oof. I said, I'm really not sure. I'd much rather that uh, if it were possible for the zip to be repaired, else I might try and wear them just as they are. And she said, well, if you, you know, that's, that's fine. We're a small company in the sense that they, they are quite literally a small company. And also they don't yet have facilities to repair their clothing. And she said, you could try and take them to a, um, to, to get someone mended, but they're also the way they're stitched and everything is quite because they're supposed to last a hundred years. And I said, look, let me, let me wear them for a while and see what it's like having this zipper kind of flopping around. And, uh, and she said, I can also, you know, of course, send you some, uh, a voucher or whatever instead. I, uh, wore them for a week and just went, oh my God, it's going to drive me bananas. And so I've, um, they're sending me a new pair. So I now have 200 years of pants, um, well, no, you've got two years of pants, let's be clear. Um... <laughs> oh, 